0: And welcome into the Intentional Encourage Podcast. I'm your host Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Got a got a different podcast for you, but I've got a story that I believe you're going to want to stick around and hear. And this is with my friend Michael Merkel, who has joined us today. Now, Michael, I, I'm going to say this up front: Michael's not an author. He's not a Uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of big fancy titles around his name. There's some people who got a lot of titles around their name, but what Michael has is he has an incredible story and Michael ministers in his home church in Kennedyville, Maryland. And so again, uh, you can find him on Twitter. He'll tell you how to do that. Connect with him there, but you can see him and hear him right here, right now on the intentional encourage podcast, Michael Merkel, Michael, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm walking on sunshine, brother. There you go. And I say tonight for those of you that will hear this recording, we re- we release recordings in the mornings, but we record them at night, so it's it's a little bit different setup. But again, I I so appreciate you joining me. Hey, Michael, I want you to take me through. And, and I ask this of as you know of of just about every guest that I have on the podcast. I want to know what the last couple of years have been like. As we have kind of navigated and walked through the coronavirus, and, and we're, we're, we are, thank the Lord, we are on the other side of it. And so I, I'm very grateful for that. And I know you are as well. Walk me through the last couple of years. What lessons have you learned from what we've gone through the last couple of years?
1: Oh, wow. That's a big one. Um, last couple of years, uh, for me personally, um, well, there's, there's been a, there's been a, a lot that has went on. Um, you know, God has, God has really had me in a waiting room, um, for some time. Um, I, I desire with all that I am to, uh, minister to, um, uh, you know, to, to share,
2: to, to share Christ with, with anyone, um. And, you know, when we, when things got comfortable, um, you know, and then the pandemic hit, um,
1: I think it put a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, I think one of the things the the pandemic did for, um, as a whole is I think it created a fear, uh, as we were starting to be able to, uh, integrate back one with another and, and worship, um, you know everybody uh, there was a lot of uh, standoffish stuff. Um, you know how, how do I put you know, laying hands on people was was questionable
2: and, and I think that I think I,
1: I don't think just in our area, I think it's it was all the way around. Um, you know, but coming out of it, I, I think I look at it now and I see where um, you know I, I look at it now where uh, I, I see people coming out of it as far as uh, you know, looking at this sickness and, and knowing that it's still a real thing. Uh, you know, I, I know the pandemic and COVID and all that went on was a real thing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I I think that I think um I think we're getting to a point where we're saying, okay, it's not leaving as much as the government or whoever wants to try to remove it from society. I think we're we're starting to integrate it into our society, say it's here. Um, it's not going nowhere, and we're just gonna have to live through it and get through it just just like any other sickness.
0: Sure. Um sure. But and I know and that
1: God is able. I myself Yeah, I myself have had COVID three times.
0: Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. So so have you learned so has every time that you've had it and I have a a, a dear friend of mine that's a dear brother in the Lord to me he's had it twice um have you learned something different through each time because Michael you, you're a hundred percent correct there were people and and I, I I am not saying this to dismiss anyone's experience around it some people and in and, and my my family we had a dear friend of ours that passed from it and again his son is a is a, a pastor in in the Huntington West Virginia area I don't want to I don't want to diminish that one bit, but we have also had people that have come through like yourself having it multiple times and coming out each time just fine with it. Each time that, that COVID visited you, do you feel like you learned something from it or was, was after the first time and you got through it when it came a second time? Because a lot of people would say, "Oh no, man, I got it again." You know, there might be fear or disgust or things like that. What went through your mind as it as it came a second and a third time to you?
1: Well, um, brother, uh, I'll tell you the, the third time I, I don't even remember it because I had it uh, while I was um, while I was in shock trauma, uh, sedated for a month. But uh, the very first time that I got it. Uh, Maryland didn't even have test results. Um, I had went to a hospital three times, two different hospitals, um, and on the very last one, they told me not to come back. Uh, that they couldn't help me. Um, they had tested me for for every flu, but you know every virus known, uh, but when it came for um, for the COVID. Uh, there, there was, Maryland didn't have any, uh, any tests at that time. Uh, so I went home. I was out of work for a month. I was in my house for a month. I, I didn't sleep. I did not sleep. Um, any sleeping I did was like catnapping during the day. Um, uh, when I was, uh, my wife wound up having to put a bucket, a trash bucket by me. Cause I would go on these eight and I, I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating this by any means when I say this, but I would go on eight, 10 hour, um, coughs, the, these coughs that just would not stop. And, um, you know, normally when you get the flu and you cough, you have a little phlegm, mm-hmm. uh, but this, this was like some kind of thick glue that was, that, that, that was coming out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was bad um there was many nights uh, my wife she would just sit upstairs and uh, she she told me she would just cry and pray that god would keep me um there there was sometimes that the coughing spells were so bad um that it got to a point that my stomach muscles and my chest muscles were so weakened from it um that I didn't even have the strength to cough when I had to cough, and there was times that I would just literally choke on the the phlegm that was in the back of my throat. Um, I truly, um, my late pastor brother, uh, Carl Hardin, the the one day he was on my, uh, he was on the phone with me during the day, when I went on one of these cough spells, he had to hang up, but um, he thought. I needed to go to the hospital then.
2: Um,
1: I, I had even went, when I went to the hospital, the, the, um, the, the second hospital and the third time, uh, or from the first time getting COVID, I, I, my lungs were in so much distress. Breathing the treatments were, were only helping for a couple seconds. I am asthmatic. Um, but uh, it was like nothing was helping. So if I, from the very first time, um, I truly, truly had to lean on the grace of God. Uh, I, I I would sit there and I would just have to pray and, and, and say, God, we got to get through one more night. And, um, as it progressed, um, each night I could feel myself, uh, getting better, I guess, um. And I, I and I would just I would just have this hope and this faith, God. If you can get me through this night, I know I'll be stronger tomorrow. And um, so that's kind of what it was like on the first time. Uh, the second time, uh, it was a breeze. The second time, I didn't have any symptoms. The second time, um, in fact, my whole family, even my wife, had it. If anybody I thought was going to go to the hospital on the second time, it was my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, the third time, uh, from I, I had I had gotten I had contracepted that while I was in the, the hospital for my accident, which is one of the reasons that they uh, had me on the respirator. Uh, and but I was sedated through that whole that whole ordeal that we'll eventually get into. Sure. Um, and um, so I can't even tell you about the third time.
0: Hey everybody, Brian Sexton, prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, Well, and and you have been through, Michael, the the thing that that I admire about you is, is that you have been through a lot of things anyway in your life. You've been through traumas and things like that. You just mentioned an accident. You know, a lot of times, here's what I'll say, is people have not been through the level of things that you've been through. And so this was your, your immediate re- reflex response was to pray yourself through it. You know, you ask God, God, get me through one, you know, let's get through one more night knowing that he was able to do that. And he did keep you through that. And I also have to believe that, that you felt like if it wasn't the Lord's will to get you through that, that that was okay too. You were ready to go. Yeah. It that, that, yeah. that was like, okay, wh- whatever, Lord, whatever happens, it's going to happen, and you're in control of it, so we're going to do things according to your plan. Let, let's pivot here, and I think this is a great place to pivot because you alluded to it. I want you to walk me through your story because that's why I reached out and said, hey, I need, I need to have you on to tell – And you mentioned something, I'll mention this to the listeners, you mentioned something back to me, a podcast that we did with my friend, Pastor Pascal Kreitz, that really really spoke to you and, and helped you. And again, folks, this is what this podcast is about. It's about spreading that intentional encouragement to help you through the stories of other people. So Michael, I want to give you the floor. I want, and, and I may jump in with a question or two around that, but I really feel like, and we do, the, this is, the, this is unusual territory because we don't jump into stories normally this quickly. But take me through your story because you really walked through some, some things in your life.
1: Well, um, Brian, thank you. I, um, Pascal Christ. He's a, uh, he has become a dear friend of mine. Um, I talk to him, not on a daily basis, but pretty regular. Um, So, uh, excuse me if I get a little emotional, um, because uh, this story, it's still hard to my heart, or soft to my heart. Um, A lot, a lot took place of this. Um, So, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, and we'll see where the Lord takes me with it. Um, let me start off with saying when the accident, the, the, when the accident happened and all of one month that I was in shock trauma in Baltimore, Maryland, I don't remember any of it. Um, I how was long ago awake. was the
0: accident, Michael? If you don't mind me just for clarity. The accident, for, for the 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 accident audience.
1: took place, uh, September. 28th at 7.59 p.m.
0: Um, So this was this past year in 2021. Yes,
1: 2021. Okay. Um, So all this is pieces that I've had to piece together until I came out of sedation. Um, But I was coming back from my last pizza delivery. And I I opened the restaurant six days a week. Um, And I usually work till eight o'clock at night till whenever we close. And, um, my boss had said that after that last, when I was coming back, that I was getting
2: home. Um, so I was making a left turn into the restaurant and a young lady,
1: um, a young lady was texting and driving, playing with the radio, teenage girl. And about 60 miles an hour rammed into the back of me, not even seeing that I was stopped with a turn signal on. Um, when she hit me, she had hit me so hard that she drove me onto the, uh, on, into oncoming traffic, um, which there was a F-250 that ran into the front of me at 60 miles an hour. Um, he was a an off duty um, state trooper. I was just in a little old '97 Toyota Corolla. Um, when she hit me from the back.
0: Yeah, those things aren't designed the... to take much impact, Michael.
1: Uh, uh no, they weren't.
0: <laughs> so,
1: economically, they save gas, but they don't save a body.
0: Well, let me ask you this: so, so you feel the initial impact? From, I don't from even being, remember it. So, so yeah, but I, that that's right because at, you know I guess at the moment. of So let me let me step back here and again I'm just trying to build some clarity here. Mm-hmm. So the moment of impact for you is when everything just shut down, and and so now you don't remember anything, but she hits you so hard that from from accounts it it puts you into to oncoming traffic so you get hit from the f- the back you get hit from the front was there you don't remember this but but was was there I, I would assume there was no airbag to protect you in the there front was. so so you're taking that trauma from the airbag hitting you. Full on in the face and chest, which airbags that deploy, especially at that high rate of speed, they come out of there pretty hard. Yeah. So, take me through what you know happened, and, and, and let me let me stop here just a second. Let me let me just back up just a second. Is it surreal to you that you're hearing something that happened to you from a from a from another perspective? rather than your own, because it's almost like you're hearing the story about what happened to you, like other people are are hearing the story of what happened to you. Is it surreal to you that you have to figure out this piece of your life from other people's accounts of it?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, It was hard. Because, you know, you leave, you leave
1: your house that day, As everybody does when they go to work,
2: expecting to come home that night. Um, You know, I got to hug and kiss my three kids off to work or off
1: to school uh, before they left for the bus. Um, I got to hug and kiss my wife uh, before I left for work that morning. And, um, in fact, she went to work with me that day.
2: I, I, or she went to work that morning. I had to drop her off. And, um, you know, when you think about not be not coming home. uh, I, I know whatever God allows to happen in our life. He loves us. Whether he decides to keep me here or take me home with him. He
1: loves me. Mm -hmm. Um, and he will always know what's best for me, even when I don't know what's best for me.
0: Right. No,
2: it is surreal. Um, it's, uh, you know, my wife could have been in that accident that that
1: morning, because she went to work when, like I said, she went to work with me that day. And she didn't even, um, she called me about 12 o'clock and we were in our lunch rush. And, um, she says, honey, she says, uh, I thought I had to work today, but I didn't. She said, is there any way you could come pick me up? And I said, and I was on a delivery. I said, I said, yeah. I said, let me call my boss and let him know what I'm doing. So I called him and I, I said, Hey, I said, uh, my wife is is off work, uh, I said, I'm going to take these deliveries. If it's all right with you, can I go pick her up? He said, yeah. So I picked her up and, um, and I said to her, I says, look, I says, uh, I don't know when I can get you home. I says, I may have to, uh, you may have to ride with me until I get a, a delivery
2: towards the house and then I'll drop you off. And, uh, she says, well, I can just ride with you all day. And I says, now,
1: I, says, Let's, I, I feel like I need to take you home. So I called my boss and I said, hey, is there any orders on the screen that I could just take a quick break and run my wife home and I'll be right back to work? And he said, yeah, as long as you come back. And I, I got home and my wife looked at me and she said, I really wish you wouldn't go back to work. I said, well, quite honestly, I don't want to go back to work. But I have to. Um, so I went back to work and I dropped her off at the house. And um and then that evening, uh, like I said, at seven fifty nine the accident happened. Um, I got um, when the accident happened, my boss saw it, and he was standing outside waiting for me, actually, because uh, when we make delivery, our our uh, our phones are hooked to an app that has like this GPS locator so they can know when a driver's coming in, so they can get orders ready to send them out. And uh, he knew I was coming, so he was in the parking lot, and he watched the accident unfold right in front of him. And um, he ran out to me, and he said when he got out to me, I was already unconscious. And uh, he was screaming my name, Michael, Michael. And he said after about 10 minutes of that, I finally woke up, And he said that I said, mom, my back, my neck, my legs. And he said, Michael, don't, don't move. Do not move. Help is on the way.
2: Um, The back of the back of the car and the trunk uh, from when the young lady hit me.
1: pushed the back seat and everything that was on the back seat in the trunk to the front of the car. And when the F-250 hit me head on, um, everything that was in the front of the car now was pushed to the back, plus stuff was on top of me. Um the if my if my driver's seat did not break and lay back flat, um the windshield was coming in, and they said that it would the they said that. Um, it would have decapitated me.
0: Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the masters kentucky derby the super bowl even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team but you just didn't know how to do it brad's your guy and oh by the way brad's a certified bucket list coach so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well i want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907 and by the way tell him you heard it on the intentional encourage podcast let's get back to more great conversation here on the intentional encourage podcast
2: Oh, man.
1: Um, my, I had a sunroof in that car. They said my shoe was in my sunroof. Don't ask me how that got there because I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: it had to be from the force of the impact. And Michael, you just said something pretty profound there that your boss said, and, and, it, and it almost feels to me prophetic. When he said to you help is on the way. Because it, it feels like to me in that moment that it, it could have been much worse for you, but you just said if if the seat didn't break, I would have been decapitated. If you know everything from the trunk came forward everything from the forward came in so it's almost in a compressed state but it's amazing to me that folks say things in the moment that mean something later as you walk through that and your boss saying to you hey help is on the way when you already had help on the scene Because I I really do believe this. And, folks, if you're listening to this and you don't believe in, in angelic visitation, I believe in angelic visitation. I know Michael believes in angelic visitation. Because how else do you explain a seat breaking? You can say, well, it was from the accident. Yeah, but seats don't break a certain way to keep someone from being decapitated. And, and for, for, for you to come to yourself after about 10 minutes and your boss to say, help is on the way, we know as Christians and we believe as Christians that God sends protecting angels to watch over us and be with us. I, I just, man, I had to jump in there because what you said was so was so profoundly impactful and powerful. That he would say to you in that moment, "Help is on the way." Yeah, and 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 I don't want that to get lost in in this because, folks, let me tell you something: there are times when we don't know it, and we walk through things like Michael walked through, where help is on the way, and we just don't even realize it. But help is is coming there. Forgive me for jumping in there, but I wish you would continue. So your boss so so it, 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 paramedics come so, yep. like that.
1: So the paramedics come and they bring a helicopter. Um after my boss was talking to me, I went back on conscience again. And my boss or um the, the paramedics got there. My sister was three cars behind the accident
2: coming towards me she was she was heading home from church and um so uh they they
1: they had to pull me out of the back dash of the car um that was the only way of them being able to get me out um i had three bibles in my car um my car from the front to the back inside and out everything was tainted
2: destroyed but the cop that investigated the um the accident
1: saw those three bibles that were on top that were that were
2: i don't know if they were on top of me but they were definitely in my vicinity because they were next to me um there was not a single scratch, not a rip, not a tear,
1: not a blood stain, nothing. The only the only thing that made it out of that car untouched was those three
2: bibles and I have them still today. Um when they um when they got me into the helicopter um to take me to Baltimore I, I, I died, I coded out and, um, I, I had suffered, uh, let me go into my injuries real quick.
1: At this point I had suffered brain trauma. Um, I was bleeding internally in my chest. I was bleeding externally out of my head. Um, my pelvis had been, had been, um, shattered. Uh, my ribs were broken. My right lung was collapsed. My heart was bruised. I fractured my spine, um, just a little bit beneath where the spine and the cord from our from our brain connects. I fractured it there, and at the uh, bottom of my spine where it connects to my hip. Um, my left leg, it ha- my I had the, uh, my bones were coming out of both sides and my ankle on my left foot was shattered. Um,
2: I had lost vision for a little while. I was not, I had trouble seeing. Um, so, um, so like I said, I had, uh,
1: excuse me, I I had went to, um, Baltimore, Maryland, um, in a in a helicopter, I said, I coded out, they got me into the hospital and they had, they, they wound up doing eight surgeries on me. One of my surgeries took in, uh, how long was it?
0: Uh, it hey, was Michael, a pretty let long me, time. Let me ask you this. I, I've got to jump in and ask you this so how far is baltimore from where you live from where the accident happened
1: driving we're talking about an hour and a half so that's 15, the closest
0: so that's the closest trauma center to where you live in your area oh yeah so yeah. that's why they airlifted you to baltimore and in in that corridor of the country i'll say this that corridor of the country has some of the best trauma facilities anywhere in the united states You've got Baltimore, you've got Annapolis, Maryland, you've got D.C., which is very close there. I mean, you live in a great area where there are phenomenal trauma people and things like that. And so uh, I I don't want that fact to get lost on the audience because that's another thing that that I see that happened in your favor was they airlifted you to Baltimore where the facilities there are just tremendous. To, to, to for you to be able to have the kind of accident that you had and be able to take yeah. you somewhere that they could really start to help you so quickly in this part and and we will we will transition to part two and we'll get some more clarity around that so you have you had eight surgeries so you, you shattered your which was the one that you were told later? that they were most concerned about? Was it the, was it the lung? Was it the bruising of your heart? Were were those the things they were most concerned about at the time?
1: Well, um, to be honest, they were actually, there wasn't really a most
2: concerned, um, because they didn't expect me to live. Um, they gave me less than 1% chance to live. um, while I, after they
1: did the surgeries, while I was there, I had, I had um, coded out two more times, and one of those times was a minute and 14 seconds. And they thought, because of the trauma that I already faced for my brain uh, from the accident, um, and enduring being out of oxygen for that long, they expected my brain to be um, brain dead. Um, when they, um, they wound up putting me on life support and they were telling my wife plan for his funeral. And, um,
2: she, she called my pastor and said, I don't know what to do. And, uh, he said, Maggie, this accident is not unto death. And she told the doctors, she said, "Hey, I I am not
1: at liberty to decide life and death here. So I guess you're gonna have to do what you have to do." Um. So one of the one of the, the uh, I want to when they did the the brain check on me, um, my brain was full of life. Um, and vitality. So for for a couple weeks i was on life support for a couple weeks the leg surgery they thought i would they were gonna have to amputate my leg wow wow Um, they wound up putting two bars in my leg um and uh titanium and they reconstructed my ankle uh with titanium as well um then they had me in um they had me in like these little cages where the surgeries were all done and taken place. And, uh, for the fractures in my spine, they had to put two pins at the top of my spine and two pins at the bottom of my spine. Hmm. Um, and then for my pelvis, they had to put, um, an inner bar on the inside of my pelvis and, and in an exterior bar uh, over my pelvis. Um, so that, because they were basically piecing my pelvis back together.
0: Um, wow. Wow. So incredible. Let's stop here. And in, in, and folks, you're going to want to hear the second part because i Michael is going to go into his recovery. This is amazing that the depth and breadth and scope of his injuries, but his brain this whole time had life in it that is incredible that that even though he had coded three times they were still life there incredible story folks listen i so appreciate michael again i i cannot wait for part two and folks you are going to want to stick around for part two but again, I want to thank you for joining part one of this special episode of the Intentional Encourage podcast with my friend Michael Merkel. Come come back for part you You're not going to want to miss part two. Do not miss part two. I can't say that enough. Do not miss part two with my friend Michael Merkel here on the Intentional Encourage podcast.